You got another joke queued up? I do. Let's have it. So this farm kid. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Just turns 21, right? He's a healthy farm kid. He's a big stout, some bitch, you know. So he goes to the local bar, goes into town, check out the fine establishments. He goes in, orders him a drink, and he's sitting at the bar. He has about two drinks, and he sees these big glass jars, and they're full of money, right? And the first one, it's a little, it's the smallest jar out of them all, and it's plumb full of $10 bills. And he, he asked the barkeep, you know, he's like, hey, what, what's the deal with all these, these jars of money? And he goes, well, first off, you need to put some money in here and we'll, you know, and yeah, then, then we'll tell then, you, we'll tell you, you know, yeah. but Benjamin knew, I'll explain it to you. It's like, okay. He goes, so the first jar, that jar you put ten dollars in and if you can knock o dave out over there in the corner (laughs) i think i know where this is going keep going (laughs) you got you can you can get this jar of ten dollar bills right he looks over there at dave he's a big guy but i'm farm kid i'm stronger than hell i'll whip his ass he goes now you gotta knock him out one punch knocked out cold okay orders another beer pulls a ten dollar bill out of his pocket hands it to the barkeep walks over and just cold cocks oh dave in the corner man just knocks him out just stone cold dead he hits the floor drooling right he walks back to his seat sits down he's like no i feel pretty good about this he's like that that jar was plump full of ten dollar bills rich now i'm rich farm rich (laughs) rich takes his money barkeep gives it to him puts the empty jar back up on the mantle you know and he's sitting there goes well what are these other two jars after he's had about two three beers again now you know and he goes okay well the second jar is a little bit bigger medium-sized jar plumb full of 20 dollar bills he goes well what's that jar he goes well that jar we have a pit bull out back and that pit bull has an abscess tooth. He, we need to get that tooth out of him. It makes him angry. You know, he's just meaner in hell all the time. So if you can pull that tooth out of that Rottweiler or out of the pit bull, you get that jar full of $20 bills. Okay, well, what's the third jar? Right, well, let's just knock this out. Yeah, like, what, what's the third <laughs> jar? It's the biggest jar, and it is full of $100 bills. He says, well... Oh, Jane over there in the other corner, she has never had a man give her an orgasm. You can give her an orgasm, you get this jar of $100 bills. Hmm. I'm a young buck. I think I can handle both of these. I'm going to have me a couple more. I'm I'm, I'm, going to have a couple more beers. I got money in my pocket. I am going to, I'm going to knock these two out. You just give me a couple minutes, orders him another drink, orders him another drink. He's feeling pretty good, 
right? Boom. Pulls out two tens. Gives them to the barkeep. It's like, I know it's not a 20, but I'm sure it'll do. Because I'm going to get that money back. Right. Right? Goes outside. And you hear the most god-awful noise you've ever heard in your life. This dog is just howling. He's screaming. Dog's yipping. He's grunting. He's going to town on getting this tooth out of this dog. Like five minutes goes by. He comes in. Pants all tore up. Shirt tore up. He's bleeding. He goes, hey. Where's that old lady that needs that tooth pulled? It rolls right into the the dog stories that we have. Anyways, <laughs> classic. This is Mike and Adam from Mile High Shooting, and you're listening to the Everyday Sniper. Our last episode with Adam, we were headed out to the range, and we were looking forward to some inclement weather. Unfortunately, it was actually a rather nice day. It turned out really nice, actually. I mean, it was little humid and little overcast but it turned out to be really good shooting weather yeah there was not a whole lot of wind it was nice and cool uh the mirage was not bad at all just enough mirage where you could see wind good and a lot of the spotting today was done with binoculars yeah you could see trace amazingly well there wasn't enough wind to, to blow it away um and i mean it just was there the sun wasn't so bright i mean the binoculars picked it up very well so it's about five o'clock. Colin Fawson has my set of Leica Geovids, by the way. Does he now? Colin, we need those. We Colin, need those back. Colin, I need those back, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, five o'clock, and it's about sixty degrees. So that's like just perfect. Uh, the wind towards the end of the day, I would say it was more or less five to eight miles an hour, which is very calm. Um, and we're just gonna go through as we went through the day and we'll talk about stuff adam set a course record today shooting an 80 and a half uh gaining that first place spot and then we had larry right behind you yep and then dan hansen was right behind him and then i was right behind dan yeah so i I had 80 and a half larry had 77 or 77 77 ish yeah and then dan had 75 and a half and you had 67 six yeah, something like 67, that. 67, and then uh, uh, Colin with a... Colin with a 223. Two, had a 50... 59. 59 for sixth. So, um, we we had some really good uh, some really good shooters out there today. We had some new shooters out there today, which yeah. is always nice. And a lot of them, you know, they were like, hey, this is great. We're going to come back. And it's a real uh, easygoing course. And the course of fire... It's changed a little bit, but it hasn't changed to a point where it's unrecognizable from the original course of fire. So when we started out today, uh, by the way, we didn't even get any rain. It was supposed to rain at like three yeah. o'clock. We were yeah. we were hustling pretty hard uh, up until the end there, and we still didn't get any inclement weather. So um, we started in area three at the cold bore, and it's kind of like a modified KYL, really. Yeah. It's like you shoot, and if you hit it, you get a point. But if you miss it, you still have to move on. Yeah, you, you don't lose points. You just get points for hitting. So if if you hit the smallest target, you get four points for hitting the smallest target. But you, you get to at least shoot. You don't have to just stop. Right. 
which is it's nice because it gives everybody a morale booster. Again, you know, like this match is more of a learning match, anyways. It's not a it's a confidence builder. It's not a it's not a PRS match. It gets a lot of people prepped for a PRS match or a NRL match. Yeah. So, um, we had the cold bore shot. Which is at that 300 that Frank is always missing. Yeah, and Frank's we, target. And then we have the modified KYL, for lack of a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at I think it's around 200. Yeah, I think it is right at 200. And those targets get progressively smaller as yeah. you go. So I think you have four targets on the on the KYL or five. You have. Four targets on the KYL. Four targets on the KYL, and they just progressively get smaller. And now, Adam was using a setup, Geoballistics, and you had it linked to your Kestrel drop. We talked about it a little bit this morning. Mm -hmm. So some of the features that are on the Geoballistics, you can get this app for like 15 bucks, and you can load, if you have a match that you're always going to, and it's for the most part the same, you can load the entire match into this program on Geoballistics. Yeah, it's Ballistic Arc is the program. Uh, Geoballistics makes it. Uh, it's a, I've been testing it. Uh, I wanted to shoot the BRA with that program and, and kind of run it and see how I liked the drop compared to running a Kestrel all the time. Um, unfortunately, with the drop, you have to have something else to run it, which Geoballistics or Ballistic Arc does allow you to do that. Um, so I just pulled it up here. Uh, it looks like the cold bore is at 308 yards and the KYL, modified KYL, is 206 yards. And we did exactly what we were going, what we said we were going to do. When we walked up to each stage, we, we lasered them from the shooting position yep. and then plugged that information into the geoballistics. And then, of course, I was using my Kestrel, um, but some of the numbers varied. So what was on the board may not you know may have been off by like two or three yards compared to the information that we were having we were getting you know so who knows where that was lasered from was it lasered from the actual position or behind the position or whatever i i learned last year in Sawatch. uh I, I was talking with guys, you know, and they're like, hey, don't worry about the ranges. We already have the ranges. They're on the cards. It's already in the book. It's done. Very first stage, like we're over there shooting, and uh, Andy Hawkins just barely catching the bottom of the plate. I mean, he has probably like a, an eight-shot group on the bottom of the plate, and two-thirds of that bullet impact was hanging off of that that plate so i knew that something was wrong. That was off the rocks that was off the rocks yeah I remember and that. what did i do i took my kestrel or not my kestrel i took my terrapin out of my bag because oh we have everything ranged it's all good don't worry about it you know well it bit me on the bit me in the ass i came back the second day it was 25 yards different than from what they said it was right you know so, yeah, and nobody was hitting it that day. It, everybody was low, you know. So, I I put dope on my gun when I went up there. I I added two tenths to it just because. Because we came back the second day and shot it, I believe. No, no, we shot it the first day. It just everybody was hitting low, so I just added. No, but they reused that stage. They did, yeah, yeah. We came back to that shot at different target, uh, from a slightly different location than those rocks. But I went over to the rocks and ranged it, and it was different mm -hmm. than what the book said. So I learned that. Uh, 
I take my rangefinder and range, double check everybody's stuff and I use what I get with my Terrapin. Just no questions asked. I, I don't trust anybody's ranges. Well, now. and it seemed to work out for you today because when you plug that stuff in and your your elevation, your dope was all lined up. Yeah, everything seemed there wasn't to work very, all day. There weren't yep. very many targets that you missed is basically what it came down to. Right, and the, everything that I missed was all on me. You know, they're just stupid things. Uh, I sped up a couple times. Remember I said I was going to slow down and see what I was doing. And mm -hmm. uh, a couple times I got to the last couple targets and I, I guess, felt confident or whatever and sped up and, and didn't do what I said I was going to do. And it cost me, you know. So um, I, gotta, I just got to make sure I slow down do those basic things. And um, quality comes first, speed comes second. So as soon as you get those things rolling, then that, then the speed will come. But if you can make those quality, good decisions first, you're going to hit more targets than just shooting fast and missing fast. So. so moving into the second stage, we were, that is a tripod stage. Mike, Mike and I both cleaned the very first stage. So we both hit the cold bore and we both yep, cleaned that, the, the KYL. Yep. Um, so then moving into the second stage. So we're shooting off the mound. So we've been talking to you guys a lot about shooting off of a tripod when you guys were up in Seekins. I never really got to talk to you about that. I only really talked to Frank about it. Right. So you were when we were driving out there, you're like, I got an idea I want to use on the tripod. I got an idea I want to use on the tripod. And we were getting it set up. And I had kicked that leg out to the 90 degree angle. Yep. And then put the two front legs down on the um, on the front side of the mound, and use that ninety degree angled leg under for, my arm under for your support arm. Yep. for like a basically like a tabletop for your arm back there. So this is really where that HRD rail came into play for me, yeah. because normally I would put it on the really right stuff forend for my AX. Mm -hmm. Instead, I moved my bipod forward and clamp the front end of my gun onto the tripod instead of using that really right stuff. Right, just adapter. to get back a little bit further because then you could get your arm and your other hand underneath the grip back there on that uh, that third leg or that, that 90 degree leg. Yep, and you can yep. find a good comfortable spot and then move that gun forward and back into your shoulder, into your body or away from your body if you need to creep up on it a little bit more. Right. Yep. It's just a lot more rail space to, to have and use. Mm -hmm. and. And I was able to load my magazine freely because it was far enough back. Right. So that was um, comfortable. I got into a comfortable position, shot the first target hit, second target hit, third target hit, fourth target hit, fifth target hit, and then I moved down the bank and then off to the side of the mound. So yep. your second shooting position is off on the side. So if you're, if you're shooting at 12 o'clock, look to your left, move 90 degrees, and then back on target. So... Um, then there was the uh, the trifecta, the pepper popper target. Yep. What I didn't do, and I wish I would have thought of or taken a little more time, because I still had a little bit of time on the clock right at the end, is adjust my legs differently and go lower. Because what I ended up doing was taking that 90-degree angle and making it a 45-degree angle. Yep. And then... <clears throat> doing my best to kind of get up on my get up on a knee take a kneeling position but not a crouched kneeling position 
I was right. very, really, really it was, high. It was like an open, it was like an open uh, uh, reverse kneel. Right. You, you almost, you needed a big pillow. You didn't even have it. Uh, you had a lot of open space. Your body wasn't wasn't crunched down where you could be tight and fit into a position and, and keep your body from moving. Right. And normally I shoot that stage standing the entire time. Yeah, we've been messing around with standing on that, mm-hmm. that for a while. Yeah. So I am more comfortable standing on a tripod than I am kneeling on a tripod. Yeah. So I was trying to use that, okay, that standing mentality where I'm like, okay, I'm squared up. I'm squared up on everything. You know, the recoil is going to happen. I'm not worried about that. But I kind of went into that, went into it with that mentality and thought that the the tripod was going to do all the work for me. And it really didn't. So it got me real shaky on it. And I was trying to find the most comfortable position. But then I was like, dude, I am wasting so much time. And, and the problem was, is like with me watching you was the, the, the tripod was supporting the weight of the gun, but then you were trying to drive the gun as well. So you were influencing that tripod a lot mm-hmm. in a weird position and you had no way to stable your body. Like standing, you can put your arm on the tripod and, uh, and on that leg and lock it in where that way you couldn't, you were just kind of crouched. And it, it, it wasn't a very good position, uh, you know, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. It I was able to hit the first two pepper poppers. There's three in a row. I hit the first two pepper poppers and I was like, okay. And then I got a little bit ahead of myself and again back to that uncomfortable position. Um, and then let that last one rip and I I knew it right then as soon as I pulled the trigger, I was like, That's high. That we're done with that. And then change back to that uh, that final target. So I, I dropped one on that stage. Yep. And, and I'd done the same exact thing uh, other than I did lower the legs on the tripod. Um, I didn't turn the, the tripod. Yeah, once we, far- once we evaluated it, I was like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to change that. Yeah, and, we, and people started even lowering theirs, like Dan lowered his and, and stuff. And what I done is I was too straight on the, the tripod. So the gun was like in the mag was hitting that, that leg coming straight back. Mm-hmm. I didn't cant it off far enough. Uh, and then I was trying to keep the gun straight up, uh, instead of listening, putting my arm on it for rest, I was wedging my arm between the tripod and the, uh, the gun to try to keep the height correct. So, uh, that was kind of my fault on there, and then I yanked the yanked the shit out of the trigger on the third popper and missed it as well. So, um, and I think I missed one up high. I I again sped up, and I missed the I think the, you, the far shot up on top because yeah, I, think I, you dropped I yanked two. it, and then I went over and and uh, on the popper I done the same thing, and then on the the last one that's 75 yards, uh, I slowed myself back down and and made sure I didn't miss a give me target. Right. I was uh, focusing a lot on my sights today. All that stuff, uh, messing around with the parallax and making sure that eye box and the uh, the uh, reticle is crystal clear. Yeah. So it was that was forcing me to slow down too because I was really focusing on the scope. Yeah. And I, I was focusing on level, uh, making sure that my gun was always level. Just trying to get that thing and, and beat that into my head where I'm always double checking level and parallax. So, right. moving into the third stage in that yeah. area, 
is a pistol, rifle off of a tank trap, and then rifle off the tree tree branch. Yep. Kind of a down tree. So again, two crouching, kneeling, whatever you want to call them, positions. So um, positional shooting. This is my greatest weakness that, that hasn't eluded me. And I'm going to do, Adam and I were talking about this, and we kind of said something about 308 in the last podcast that we wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about it in this one, but we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. Um, 22 and 308, we're coming back to that. But the positional shooting, my greatest weakness. I make all my money on the ground, and I make all my money on a tripod. Yeah. No problem with those two. Which, which it, the, most people, the, they're, they're positional, because it's the hardest. It is. It is terrible. So I dropped a lot of points, man. I probably, out of eight possible points, I think I got two. And that's where I fell behind. I was like, shit, this is going to... I can hear myself dropping slots. You know? gonna, they're going to hit you and hard. I yeah. was like, that. I'm going to have to do something fancy to make up for the points that I'm losing right now. But I hit all my pistol targets, so I was good there. I was like, I'm, I'm going to focus on pistol targets because these are, these are gimme points right now. Yep. So, and pistol's a perishable skill. If you don't practice that, you're going to lose it. So, uh, just getting that flinch out for you guys that uh, that don't shoot a lot of pistol, get that flinch out, you become a better pistol shooter. Yeah. So, um, going from pistol to rifle, yeah, I dropped those points. But shooting off of a tank trap, we're using um, the, uh, Comanche war, bag. the Comanche bag, Warhorse development bag. We used that. And what I did is I sat on two troust bags so that yep. I got nice and comfortable. It's just I couldn't get, I guess, comfortable enough is what it came down to. Yep. And then I was like, man, how many rounds do I have to this thing? I hope my gun's not effing up on me. Right. And yeah. I was like, it's got to it's be something else. can't be me, right? But it, yep. it was me. Right. There's no doubt because what, the rest of, of the day went well. What did I say right at the end of the other podcast? Trust your equipment. Yep. And blame yourself first. Yep. So... Um, moving into that tree position, it's more or less you jam your gun into the little crook of the tree. Try to balance it as much as possible. Put all the weight of that gun onto that support if you can get it up there. Put it all the weight of the gun on there. And then drive it from there. Yeah, you- I, I, and I learned that from a, um, I guess an old Special Forces guy. It was like, listen, if you have a support system, there's two ways to use that. And that is either you let it support the weight of the gun entirely or the weight of you and the gun entirely but it can't do both like or, or you know like you can't you can't try to support the gun and your support system try to support the gun it needs to support like everything there either you're free like kind of free floating it and letting the gun do its thing on there or it's holding you and the gun and it, that way you're locked in um, so uh, can't that, have it both ways. You, you can't have it, you, you know, where you can drive the gun really good and you have a support system. It, it just, for me anyways, and I, I kind of always thought of that and it works for me anyways, that let that support system support the weight of your gun. Yes, you have to drive it, but there's ways around it to where you can drive it, still see impact and not influence it that much either. Yeah, what was your what was your takeaway on that area? You pretty much smoked it, man. I think you maybe missed one target. Uh, so I missed I missed one pistol target, and then uh, let's I see. I, I hit all of the, hit all the right. dueling tree, and then 
I hit all the poppers. Yeah, so yeah. you hit all that stuff. Yep, yep. So you cleaned all the rifle stuff. There's. Yep. I was only down one. I just missed that one pistol shot. I got sped up again. So yep. Yeah, I just started getting faster and faster as I progressed through the pistol and the last shot I shanked. So, so what I've learned and kind of the takeaway from that pistol portion or, you know, you guys are out shooting pistol and rifle. On the pistol side, if you have an option to shoot a target, you know, like a target array, we'll say we have um, five targets and you got to put two shots on each target. doesn't matter how you do it, just as long as two shots land on each target. Shoot the closest target first. That'll get your momentum going. Yeah. So that'll build your confidence right there. Right. So you get those two shots on that first close target. I mean, it could be like, you know, five yards away. Boom, boom. Get those knocked out of your system. Then go for a more difficult target after that. Yeah. Get, get, you know, and it's weird. It's kind of like getting the butterflies out, you know. Know that, no, it's not that hard. And we shoot pistols enough that, no, it's not that big a deal. But you get amped up and you're, you're trying to, like, okay, well, I got to shoot this pistol. Then I got to get it to my rifle so I can beat the clock. And... You know, it's you gotta just get that that pistol down, the groove, get a feel of that recoil, take those those close shots and use them to. Okay, well, that my grip wasn't right or or whatever. Um, use those shots to benefit yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So moving up to the top, we went to area one. Yep. At the cement pad, uh, first shot. <clears throat> again, another one of those modified KYLs. So, you shoot, you miss, you move on to the next one. You shoot, you miss, you move on to the next one. You shoot, you hit, and move on to the next one. It's basically all they're doing. You just, yeah. the, the targets get progressively smaller, and as they get smaller, you get more points. So, um, I laid down and shot that one because that was at the 500 yard. Yep. And then, since uh, we were kind of low on spotters and scorekeepers, I just stayed on the ground to shoot the second course of fire so that I wouldn't fall behind the pack and then I can just go up front and just take score yep, and be score on the spot. spot. Yep. Um I got the first four targets missed the last one. Yeah, and that 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 triangle at 400 yard or 500 yards is probably a 4-inch triangle. I mean, it's it's not impossible, but it it's still fairly tough. It's tricky because yeah. you only have one area of you know, yeah, it's not a like, diamond. It's a triangle. Yeah, yeah, it's a triangle. It's half a diamond. So diamonds are difficult. Triangles are more difficult. Yeah. That triangle, uh, we have another one that's just like that at 820. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that yeah. here in a second. But, yeah, shooting at that triangle, I think I missed it over the left edge of the triangle or something yep. like that. Yep, top left corner. Yep. And uh, going out to the 1,000-yard range. I was already warmed up, and I felt good. So I was like, okay, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to shoot. We'll get this going. Um, got my two two hits at six. Got my two hits at seven. Going to 820. 820 again is that same triangle, but now it's at 820 yards. Yeah, it's the same size. It's the same same everything at 400, at 500, and at 820. It's still that four inch strength. So if you can hit that, you're going to get yourself five points every time you hit it. You got two attempts at it. Some people like to uh, take a digger or, uh, you know, uh, throw a cider around downrange to see where it's going to land. I felt that my elevation was on and everything I was doing was center punching. So I was like, okay, uh, I was holding the right amount of wind. And it got really weird. This is, um, 
where you were like, yeah, you're half a mil off over here or something like that. So what was happening was at 600, I was holding five tenths to hit the center. Oh yeah. And then at 700, I was holding nine tenths to hit the center. But I, I figured it out. Like I kind of like, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why is it, why am I doing that? And then at eight, I was half a mil off the left side. Yeah. Yep. Off the right. Or off the right because I was holding too much wind. Right. So what happened at eight was, you know, I'm going to put another three tenths on and see where it goes. And I came off the right because the wind stopped after eight. Right. After, after you shot seven, or after it died seven, yes. by the time you dialed, found it, parallaxed, level. Oh, it was still going at seven, but it stopped after seven. Oh, I didn't see that. So, so it yeah. was, it was done because then when I went to nine, it was doing the same thing. So I, uh, threw two shots down at nine, didn't hit anything, came back to a thousand, got a first round impact. Yep. And I was only, and oh, I was holding. You were, you were right on nine also. Yep. Yep. So I came, uh, after you gave me a correction, right. I hit the nine and came back to the thousand and I was at a mill. So I had gone up and down in that course of time and it didn't take me a whole lot of time to shoot that no, and no, get to that it's point. easy. You know, it was probably not even, you know, 45 seconds had passed. I'd thrown two shots at eight, two shots at nine, and now I was on a thousand. And I got my first round hit at a thousand and did it. I mean, it was dead center. So I, you know, I, I used the same dope. I held the same wind and pulled the trigger again. But in that split second where I pulled the trigger, I'm back on target. I've already run the bolt and now my bullet's hitting. In that amount of time where I saw it hit and I pulled the trigger again, the wind had changed and I missed. Yep. So. And and for me, uh, just to kind of summarize, so I done the, Mike went first and then I kind of waited in the help spot and stuff and then went later. Um, and I shot all all the 500 yard and I cleaned it. I hit the I hit the little guy, and then uh, when yeah, I got yeah, you hit that five pointer. Yeah, I can or, see. Or, I no, can that, see. on the that's just on the five hundred oh, yard. No, yeah, yeah. Then on the the uh, the six, seven, eight, eight or eight twenty nine and a thousand, I hit it six, hit it seven, missed the first shot on the eight twenty and hit the small one on the second shot for five points on that guy. Yeah, yeah, I could see like like I was inside your head and you're just like fist pumping. Right. You're like yeah. five points, bitch. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy about that. It's been a long time since I've hit that target. So. Yeah, that's nice when you hit that. It feels good. Yeah. And uh, um, went to nine, missed the first shot, hit the second shot, then uh, first and second round at 1,000 on that. So. so after that position is the barricade. Dan, stop texting, stop man. Stop texting me. Holy crap. Um. The barricade. Barricade. Yeah. So you have four positions on the right side. You shoot right-handed. You have four positions on the left side. You shoot left-handed. That kind of messes some people up. Mm-hmm. So again, we're going back to the whole throw the you know throw the uh, uh, the Comanche bag up on the barricade. Throw the gun on the Comanche bag. Let it balance itself. Pull the trigger. Yep. Find a good position where you're not bobbing and weaving and influencing the heck out of the gun. 
and it's easier said than done. And and we don't allow rear support on that stage because uh, it's 400 yards. It's a two MOA target. It's I mean it's a it's an eight inch so octagon at 400. New guy, yeah. Know? New guys coming into this when we're talking rear support, a lot of guys like to use a tripod as a rear support. So they'll fully extend the legs on the tripod, and it'll basically act as your uh, like a like a butt spike like an extended butt spike yep. for the, and, and it's super the solid it is super solid I, i've shot it with the butt or with the you got me saying butt spike the uh uh tripod is rear support and you can't miss i mean it, it's so it's so solid that i mean between the the rear or the comanche bag up there and then grabbing a hold of the tripod it's just like shooting off of a bench it's just you're elevated you know so it, it's very very solid so we don't allow that on that stage just for the fact it makes it a little harder. And then the left-hand part, that's difficult. That throws a lot of guys for a loop going weak hand. And I shouldn't say left hand always, but um, weak side, strong side. You know? Yeah, and it, I mean, if you're a left-handed shooter, obviously the right side is going to mess you up. Right. So it's you get a little taste of what left-handed shooters have to go through for sure. Right. You know, running the bolt back to your face and everything. Um, but it's, it's definitely easy to come off the gun, run it. When, when I'm moving from position to position, I'm not spending a whole lot of time like concerning myself with where I shot just now. Like if the gun is solid enough, I'm gonna pull the trigger and run the bolt as I'm taking my head off and pulling my gun off of the barricade at the same time. They're gonna tell me if I hit it. Yeah. I'm, I don't. And, and see, for me, my whole thing was slow down, see where that hit on that plate, and be honest with yourself. Where did the trigger break? So if you know you're in the bottom third, uh, in the left side of that, when the trigger broke and see if you can see where that thing hit. And if they're like, or the spotter says, hey man, you caught the very bottom right corner. Okay, well, obviously I knew I was on the bottom left, so there must be a little left to right wind. So I was really trying to pay attention to uh, what my bullet was doing off of the barricade and slowing that down because I, 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 can, I can come out of the gun just about as fast as anybody, you right. know. Well, my thing was, because I lost all those points in positional, and again, we're in another positional, you know, course of fire, I was like, I'm not going to drive it this time, I'm going to free recoil it. And when I free recoil it, I'm not going to see where it's going to go anyways. Right. So that's kind of where my head was at. I was like, I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to move position. Yep. Because I can't, <laughs> if I miss, I miss, and you know, I chalk it up to my bad intentions when it comes to positional. But if I free recoil it for me, in in that stage, I do a lot better. Yep. Again, letting the, the support system support the entire weight of the rifle and you very lightly influence it. Moving into area two was up on the hill. Yeah, off the spool. Off the spool. So we have a pistol. They changed that so it's no longer an El Presidente, a one, uh, one through five drill. It's two dueling trees, 10 shots, 10 shots only. If you miss, move on. I think they call that a Virginia count or something. What is that? Uh, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. Um, but you shoot the pistol 
and then you move back to your gun and then your targets start I believe they were at like 690 yeah so your first one is it's 600 roughly so it was like 590 that's right it's 599 and then the other one was uh, 695 uh, 999, 1105, and uh, 1239. 1239 is yep. what we got from the rangefinder. Yep. And it proved to be spot on. Once I got onto that cable spool and through my first shot downrange, I got my wind call. And I believe that that was a first round, second round impact. Moved on to the next one. I got a first round, second round impact. Uh, the wind started to pick up a little bit. I got a first round impact at yeah. 11, mi- no, no, no. At 1,000. At 1,000, I missed the second uh, the second round, came into 11, missed my first round, got a second round, and then I got a first and second round at 1230, 1239. Nine, yep. yep. Uh, so it was, it was pretty switchy. It wasn't bad. It was just switchy. Yep. So. And in that stage, I think you had, I don't know about the other squads, but you had the top score on that. You had, uh, you had 16 points just on that stage alone where most of us, like Dan and I, we were at about 12 and a half points on, yeah. on that stage. So you, you really killed it on that spot. Well, I had a lot of catching up to do. Right. I was like, I, you know, I ain't going to be first, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in the top five. Yep. Uh, so then we moved down from there. We went over to uh, the spinner stage. Well, what did you do on the on the hill on the cable spool? Uh, do you remember? Well, I, I don't remember the exact first round, second round. I'm, I know the six hundred. I had first and second. Seven. I had first and second. Because remember, the plate was swinging, and I stopped it. That's right. Uh, then the thousand. The winds were. They were pretty tricky because there's a lot of draws out there, but. Um, I think I had a second round on a thousand. Second round, I think on the on that eleven, and then I didn't hit the twelve fifty at all. So. And they got little uh, lights on those now, so it's a lot nicer. And they uh, remember how it was all blowing around and everything. Larry went out and put some put some rods to support it, so it didn't uh, right the, twist on us or anything yeah. like that. So it's really nice that now we actually have hit indicators. And the targets aren't swinging around in the in the rapid winds that they have out there. Yeah. Moving on to the spinner. Yeah. So we went to we had a spinner target again. We're shooting off of a cable spool. Um, the spinner target, I believe, is at a 350. Once you get the spinner up and spun, right next to that is a plate rack. So you got a whole bunch of extra points you can start to get. So if you can get that plate rack spun in four the, rounds. The, the spinner spun. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm sorry, the, the spinner. If you can get that spun in four rounds and you're onto the plate rack, you're, yep. you're getting a whole bunch of extra points in that stage. Yep. So the trick is to get the spinner spun. That's right. And I, I, don't, I think Larry welded some weight or something to that thing because it, it's at, uh, what was it, 360? 360. It was a 360, um, and that thing does not want to spin very good. I mean, it's it's heavy. It, it took, is heavy. It, it like, I six, spun it with your BR in four shots. I th- that was before. I think he's added weight since. That's then, why. Because, I, that's why I'm saying I think that's true, Larry. We're on to you. Right. Because it took me six today 
it took me six as well. Right. So. And I was hitting solid. Yeah. Yeah. Both of us, we had our timing down. Uh, we've done a lot of spinner training and, and we have a spinner at our range as well. And we, uh, we used to shoot that a lot. And then. Thanks Austin. Yeah. Thanks Austin. And, um, we got the timing down. So it's, it's not easy but it's easier it's because easier. once yeah. you shoot it a few times, then it, it, once you it's figure out the calculations yeah. and when it's supposed to, you know, when that arm is actually dropping down into the right position yeah. uh, to send the bullet, because you want to time it just right to where it's swinging back, but it's not fully all the way down. Right. It's just right at that crest of being all the way down because you've got to account for yeah. bullet flight. Yeah, you got you want to hit that plate before it looks like it's straight straight up and down you want to hit it right there at the basically the bottom of that apex so you get that full full Force. energy of that bullet and you get the full velocity of that plate moving before it starts to slow down so when you break the trigger it looks like the plate isn't ready to be shot but by the time the bullet gets there the plate's ready to be shot right and that's so what i see can... a lot is guys pull the trigger when it looks like they should be shooting but then the plate is already going up and away from them. And if they do hit the plate, then they lost a lot of energy and they don't get to uh, get a lot of that that energy of that bullet. So, um, or it glances off and it doesn't really do anything. So you got to hit it before. Yeah, a lot of stuff that I see too is like they try some Annie Oakley shit and they try to shoot the bottom plate and the top plate. Yeah. Don't attempt to do that. Just stick to the bottom plate. You'll be fine. Just stick to the bottom. I mean, there's, pick there's the no, one that's bigger and yeah, shoot at that. It's got more mass. If you can get that one to move first, uh, the the better it is. You know, and there, there's and unless you have bonus points for shooting top bottom, top bottom, then it doesn't then it doesn't matter. So you know? another thing that you can do is measure the uh, the actual spinner itself. So when you're going off the cross member to the center of the plate, see where that's at so you can get a better idea if you have to hold over on it, but you can get a better idea of where that plate's going to be and you can pre you know, you can predict where it's going to uh, where it, when it's swinging because it's moving, right? Yeah, use use that ruler that Frank talks about, three and a half inches in front of your nose. So measure it so from the from the the bar so the cross member the cross member to the center of the plate and we're just going to say it's a mil and a half for easy easy sakes right okay so your your dope is one mil with a six mil creedmoor okay dial your one mil then look at your crosshair going above center put that mil and a half line right on that that cross member and pull the trigger you're gonna hit yeah because and it, the idea is to trap it so when I'm saying trap it, you're predicting where that plate is going to go and where it's going to be because you're going to be aiming at dead space because that plate's in movement. Right. It, it, it's high and it's low. So, it, it, you know, you want to be able to break that shot and that bullet to go where that where we want it to impact that plate at in that, cer that certain space. You know, you don't want to hit that bullet or that plate high. So you're using that mil and a half reference mark on the on the cross member so that your crosshair always stays in the same place because naturally you try to creep upward when you look at that plate in your crosshair because you want to move that crosshair to the plate instead of keeping it down where you want it to be shot. Yep, and we, and we talked about it too. We're, 
we're going to try to do a video for you guys. It's not going to go out tomorrow or anything like that. No. When we have an opportunity to get out to the range with some camera equipment, then we'll we'll try to set something up like that so you guys can get a better understanding of what we're talking about, what the plate actually looks like when it's swinging and when we're pulling the trigger because you'll be able to see the recoil from the gun. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll, I, I have a, a Torrey Pines set up where you can hook a GoPro up to it and look through the scope and shoot. So it'll be real easy to, to shoot that video. So. so I was able to spin it. You were able to spin it. There, um, I think, maybe one other person in our squad. Yeah. I think it was Joe. Uh, Joe. Joe. Joe got it. New shooter out there, came out there, spun the spinner, and uh, did a great job today. Uh, That's what caused Dan Hansen the match. <laughs> Gonna, I got. I got to grind it in, bit. man. He he won't forget. It won't happen next time. Um. Then we had a holdover stage. So the holdover stage, it's it's not new. It's been going for the last couple months. Uh, we used to shoot off of hay bales. What they've done is stack some tires out there now. So again, my HRD rail came into play because I was able to slide my bipod back and forth on that rail because as you're looking at the tire, you have to move from, from uh, to two different positions. There's a right side of the tire, which is almost full. Obviously, you know, you have that whole sidewall to work with. Then you have the center of the tire where the rim was, so it's empty. So that is longer. So you have to put your bipod out further and then you have the left side of the tire, which looks like the right side of the tire. So you could use, you know, the right side and the right side, but the holdover stage, I like what they're doing with it because you're, you only take one shot right. per target. Then you have to come back around and take, change positions and then take one shot per target again. So yep. a total of eight shots. Yep. Four targets, four, uh, 350, 450, 550, 650. I wasn't using, uh, uh, a horse style reticle today I was using my H2 CMR and luckily we had kind of a 12 1 o'clock wind come in so I just held two tents and my holdover and it everything lined up fine as soon as I figured out what the wind was actually doing I think I got like five six out of eight five out of six, eight or six, yeah six out of eight six out of eight and I felt really good about that because again, you're, you're resetting every single time. You're not getting that first round. Your first round has to be perfect. Yep. You don't get a second round at it. Right. Yep. You, I mean, you only have one win call at that point because you don't get to, you don't get to retry at that point. So we're on another dirt road guys. So yep. <laughs> well, we'll probably have a little bit of background, but we're about to wrap this up here. Yep. And I, and I had a, I had a, I cleaned that stage. I was using the Horus Tremor three. So I had all the holds and wind and everything I needed at my disposal at that point. Um, so it was, it was pretty, pretty easy to, to shoot that. It was just, if I made the right wind calls and I did and, and built a good position where I could, again, like Mike said, I used the HRD rail, slide the, the bipod back and, and, get it underneath of the gun and or the rear bag under the gun and, and make it solid uh and just just get that recoil uh mitigated as much as possible and it, it, it it's awesome i mean at the 6bra uh there's very little recoil there anyways so uh it was, yeah but any movement on that tire you're bouncing around right the tires they're yeah very unstable yeah so it was there's it was a good stage for sure. So that, that kind of capped off our day there. Uh, and then we got to go up and 
give away stuff mile high. Uh, trust Mike and I to go out and give away prizes for the match and, and, yeah, and shoot with these guys and hang out. And, yep. Uh, I, I think personally I have the best job in the world. I get to go out and do the stuff I like to do. And then when I'm at work, it's I'm around people that like to do the stuff that I like to do. So it's just really easy to make friends in this community. But um, back to the 308-22 stuff. Yep. We, we've touched on it. We've talked about it. I think next year I'm going to spend a lot more time on a 308. I think this year we're going to spend a lot more time on a 308. Is that what's happening this year? <laughs> we're going to take that it's 308. It's still kind of early in the year. It is. It? Yeah, yeah I guess so. I guess gonna, we can We're going to practice. I promise. Uh, I, got a, I got a bunch of um, 308 ammo, 175, mm. and uh, we'll we'll throw it in a probably like a 16-inch barrel or something. Yeah, I was thinking like so. 16, 16 and a half. Um, um, get that velocity down a little bit so you can see your errors a little bit easier and... and um, a little more recoil. So, uh, you were I, talking about the other day. We were we were working uh, up front, and you had brought it up because I was like, I've been saying for like the past week, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna do a, a 308 barrel in like 16, 16 and a half, something like that, and I'm gonna just shoot the shit out of it. It's gonna be my primary barrel. Like that's what I want to use because mm-hmm. I want to get really, really good with it. And then you were like so, talking to somebody, I can't even remember who it was, and you were like, yeah shoot a 308 off of a barricade yeah just for the fact that you have more recoil and it makes you learn and there no ifs ands or buts it makes you learn how to mitigate recoil how to get behind that gun how to stay in the gun and see what that bullet does shoot by yourself or your spotter can sit there and watch but don't let him tell you what you're doing you need to be able to see that because when you're in a match or say you're in a hunting situation or whatever, you need to be able to make that call and know you're square behind that gun and make sure that you're gonna see what that bullet does. So shooting 308, it makes you call wind better, it has more recoil. Those two things, if you can master those two things, you go to a little 6BRA or 6BR or 6BRX or whatever, or any of the Creedmoors. Or Creedmoors, 6.5 Creed, anything with a, that's that's smaller than 175, you're going to be like, holy cow, this is so much easier to shoot off of a barricade. I can see what I'm doing, and the bullet gets there faster, I'm making better wind calls, and I'm managing this recoil and seeing what I am doing. That is, that's why I'm going 308. And then 22, I'm going to run a 22 just to practice building a position. Yeah. How do you how do you get in and out of a position quickly, efficiently, and let it do work for you? Oh, that's absolutely right, and I think that's a good that's a good way to go. Um, we talked about. I think we were before we started recording. We actually were in the vehicle for like five minutes, and out of the five minutes, two minutes of it was talking about three hundred eight and twenty two. Yeah. And. Um, that's a real thing. That's what we're doing. And we, you know, we recommend you guys try it out too, man. It's, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to help you. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I've, we ran 308 a little bit last year. Um, and it was, 
it was very helpful then. So I know if I run more this year, it's going to help me with my wind calls. I, I'm still not uh, 100% on my wind calls. I, I feel like half inconsistently on it. You know, I'm consistently inconsistent on making good wind calls. and Precision I, guesswork. Yeah, I just I have no confidence even. Still today, after that, I got lucky. The wind wasn't real... Um, real strong and and didn't really mess me mess with me too much. So I got lucky today, you know. Yeah, you but did really well today. You throw me in some some big wins, and I might I might struggle some more, you know. So I need to I need to practice a little more wind and get used to calling wind again. That's been a while. So so that's our debrief for you guys. Uh, again, we just wanted we're always having this conversation on our way back, and maybe this is a conversation that you can have with your shooting partners. Just go through the day. Figure out what you were doing, what you can do better, and what you know what you need to add to your training regiment to make you do those things that you say you're going to do. Follow through. This is Mike and Adam from Mile High Shooting, and you're listening to the Everyday Sniper. Thank you, guys. Uh, Frank's back at the at at the hide and getting some work done on the website, and I believe. Um, there should be some cool things coming, getting his uh, shoulder back together. Can't wait to get back out and shoot with him. We have a class next weekend. So we'll see uh, We'll see some of you guys there and other ones we'll see in August. And then we'll, we'll have a, a finishing one for the year in October. So if you're not signed up and you're looking to get signed up, those, cl- those slots are filling up quick. So get in if you want to shoot this year. And then after that class, we'll have a whole nother schedule for next year plus an added course um we'll, we'll do the the precision rifle one and then we'll do a precision rifle two as you know a, like a stepping stone crawl walk run kind of deal um but again the feedback has been great from uh the itunes stuff and from just the the facebook stuff and i and i'm trying to respond more on on the forum as well and on the sniper side but come see us at mile high shooting uh, give us a call, 303-255-9999, Mike at MileHighShooting.com, Adam at MileHighShooting.com, if you guys got questions about some stuff. Um, but until then, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Thanks, guys. Peace.